Welcome to the Scott Shepard Podcast. I am a man on a mission to create an army of independent writers, creators, and thinkers who make a hell of a living doing what they love. And it all starts with one thing, and that is doing things the old way, the hard way, the deliberate way, the anti-net way. Listen in as I share thoughts and rants of what goes on behind the scenes as I create an independent knowledge empire where I get to spend my days doing what I love, reading, writing, and thinking while making a hell of a living and helping my people do the same. Hey, what's up, friend? Welcome back to another episode of The Daily Scott Shepherd. Today's episode is number 214. And it is coming to you live from San Diego, California at 11.03 p.m. And don't worry, I'm enjoying myself. I'm sipping on lean out of a coffee cup. And by lean, I mean white girl lean, which is essentially Chardonnay on ice. And I'm recording this right before I head out. And yes... I've got a special episode for you tonight. It's going to be a fantastic one because it centers around the reason why digital never factored into Lumen's anti-net, his anti-net Zettelkasten, and also the reason why it was never held back by the lack of the internet or digital becoming a reality, a thing, a something that could exist. And one second, let me adjust my uh, stand-up desk. Okay, fantastic. Now, the reason that it never held Lumen's anti-net back, essentially the analog implementation of Lumen's Zettelkasten, centers around the fact that what he even thought he was creating when he created the Zettelkasten, it changed, it morphed, and he discovered that it changed as early as 1981, but it appears that he actually discovered it a few years after, several years after, he essentially started working and building his anti-net. And we know that it is something that he discovered later on because, well, we know for a fact that he discovered it as, as early as 1981, and he created his Zettelkasten system around 1952 or 1953. And he says in a paper that he wrote on his... Zettelkasten, which is a communication theory. The entire thing, the premise, centers around creating a partner, a communication partner, a mind, a ghost in a box, if you will. And that's straight from Lumen himself. If you check out his anti-net notes from the archive in which he used to actually create said paper in 1981. And he also says that it takes several years, maybe a few years, before you actually experience 
the effects, the impact, the amazing insight and discoveries and things that happen when you organize the Antinet Zettelkasten in the manner in which I talk about and in the manner of which I will make very clear and concise and widely accessible and available to the masses, but of course, we'll be making it available to you absolutely, completely, 100% guaranteed free or double your money back, baby. So, <laughs> and yeah, this is not a bullshit, uh, you know, free plus shipping offer that upsells you into 18 different funnels or things. Okay, I'm going to actually legit make sure that it is well, I'm going to try my best to make sure that it is free and digitally available for everyone, for the world. And I commit to doing that regardless. I hesitate because, well, if I enlist a publisher to do jack shit for me besides, well, I don't know, adding legitimacy to a book, if I actually decide to enlist a publisher for this, then they may limit me publishing it digitally for free. But I say to hell with them, screw them, and I'm going to publish essentially a, a core, important, and helpful version completely for free for everyone. But of course, I'm also going to give you, since you're my basically early listener and someone that is crazy enough to love this type of nerd type of stuff and settle Coston and anti-net and product productivity and knowledge management. Yet you are also of the type of person and human being that enjoys family guy and has a Stewie Griffin inner doppelganger kind of like, well, frankly, kind of like how Lumen had a Stewie Griffin internal doppelganger. And I'll show later on, but Lumen was a freaking absolute <laughs> troll. <laughs> and uh, he trolled people. He trolled people and they were too, well, ill-equipped intellectually to even discover that they had been trolled <laughs> and they would be outraged. They would be outraged because they couldn't prove that Lumen was wrong. But I'll talk about that a different time. The thing is, and the core point is that Lumen's system the point of it changed over time. You see, in the in-depth analysis and research that Johannes Schmidt seems uh, to have done, and definitely I also would stamp my approval on such a label of Johannes Schmidt and his work on Nicholas Luhmann's Zettelkasten system. But in one part... In fact, the only part that I saw, which caught my eye, and I know that Lumen, well, I know that Johannes Schmidt knows that Lumen was not trying to create the World Wide Web, so I don't think this is actually an intentional error. However, it is something that the reader can interpret as an error or something as that which 
Johann Schmidt did not mean for it to come out as. And you see, Johann Schmidt seems to allude to Nicholas Luhmann's anti-net, his system, falling short in the, quote, realization of its potential. And this isn't necessarily true. You see, Luhmann's goal was not to create a worldwide web of information. It was not to create something that was freely and openly accessible, a.k.a. basically what the World Wide Web is today, and what essentially Wikipedia is today. For in order to do so, and Lumen had zero ambitions to do so, <laughs> I mean, if he did, he would. He clearly saw the emergence of the World Wide Web and the information technology, and he was well aware of that. He was, even in his notes in preparation for the uh, his paper on Zettelkasten, he even writes about how there's multi-memory processors coming soon, but the technology is not ready. Therefore, there's a gap, which I'll get into in in a little bit. But He knew. I mean, well, A, Lumina was a academic. He liked to read all day and he write all day and walk his dog like twice a day and have a simple life in Germany. But he also knew that he wasn't interested in creating the World Wide Web of information in the information age because that would have required both the digital, open, universally available and accessible information. And it would also have required a format, a system in which it was standardized and a format and a categorization system organized by topics and concepts, as well as, you know, conventions for subtopics and subsections organized by topic. And What I mean by this is think of basically the typical layout of a Wikipedia page. You navigate to it, and it's not organized. It doesn't make the user, you know, go to some ID, right? Some fixed ID that never changes. No, that's that goes on in the background. It forces the user to, you know, click on a concept in English, plain English, or whatever language, right? The primary language. And they, they navigate to a page, and there's a standard format that they use if there's multiple uh, disam- disambiguous or ambiguous meanings that use the same term. And you can see, like, the term would have, you know, that term, and then, you know, in parentheses, computer science or what it really means, Right. And then on the Wikipedia entry page, and on the actual Wikipedia page, you'd find like a table of contents and subsections, and they're broken up and organized by content and topic, and they're clean. And they're meant to be standard and universal and openly and freely accessible and so that everyone in the world can add to it. But Lumen was adamant against the organization of knowledge in that manner. And 
he was adamant because of several reasons, and I've I talk about this in my other uh, episodes that you can listen to, but a few of those reasons are things like, well, in evolution in in our world in reality, not in the figment of reality and imagination of which is the digital world and the internet. In evolution, and in reality, accidents, mistakes, and odd structures that morph have extreme value. Their value is critical for creating breakthroughs. You can call it mutations. (laughs) I believe that's the... DNA term, but such things are critical for the advancement and creation of knowledge and thinking that results in you not thinking in a way that is essentially akin to how everyone else thinks, but not just that it's not real. It lacks personality. They're trying to create too much order out of chaos and what Lumen wanted was he wanted a a system an entity that had order and chaos but a manageable amount of chaos and a conducive and helpful amount of chaos and for that reason we know that well lumen did not care and did not want to create a knowledge management solution that is essentially akin or likened to Wikipedia. Johannes Schmidt is describing the analog version of Wikipedia, right? And that Lumen was not trying to create and did not create, indeed, the analog version of Wikipedia, And what Schmidt is actually discussing and talking about and describing is not Lumen's Antinet Zettelkasten. That would be way too chaotic and too unstandardized. What he was describing was Paul Otlet's Mundaneum, which is, if you're not familiar with it, you should look it up. It's a phenomenal project that was created by an amazing mind who, well, got very close to creating a, an amazing system. And his was essentially an analog version of the World Wide Web, or an analog version of Wikipedia, at least. And unfortunately, for Paul Otlet, something horrible happened at the end of his life, which resulted in the mundaneum never happening and being destroyed. Hey, Scott Shepard here. Real quick, this podcast is sponsored by me. Yes, me, Sir Scott of Shepard. I am committed to never shilling some dildo hipster crappy freaking product like all the other podcasters do. All right? My only ask, however, is that you spend 10 seconds right now, literally pull to the side of the frickin' road, the freeway, stop, 
rate and review this podcast. Share it with a friend. This will help me spread my movement. You see, I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days writing and creating using analog tools while making multiple six figures if they even need to, and more importantly, building a tribe of people that they were called to build, okay? And I want you to rate and review this podcast because it will directly help me in this mission. That's all I ask. All right, now back to the regularly scheduled program. Peace. I'm not going to tell you what it is, though, of course, because I'm going to keep things a surprise and a suspense, and I can't just give you everything. You know, some things you're just going to have to wait for. So <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, definitely in the book, probably very early on in the book, because it's very interesting, but in the book, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, with Lumen, though, let's jump back to that. You see, Lumen, Nicholas Lumen, when he started the Zettelkasten, his goal, quite literally, was to create a person, or at least that's what it became. You see, he needed a research assistant, essentially an employee, to bounce ideas off of. And there were times when Lumen would complain of not having adequate help or assistance or the funding, which led him at one point to take up employment at a another university, I believe an Italian university. And so we always knew funding and was essentially something that Lumen had to deal with. Yet there were two things that really drove Lumen to create the anti-net Zettelkasten, one of which derives from that. You see, First, he wanted a person with extremely sharp intelligence, a brain, and a way to actually challenge his thoughts and introduce him to surprises in his thinking and holes in his thinking. Yet, because of the funding, like I just mentioned, and the expensive cost of hiring and talent and expectations and retaining them and managing them, which Lumen outlines in one of his cards in his own antinet uh, before he actually created and wrote the Slipbox paper in 1981. Uh, he didn't really want to hire and manage a person and deal with all of the costs associated with that, both financial costs, as well as the the time costs and the headache costs. And he essentially, basically, needed to create his own super genius, his own mind, his own person. And he needed one that would think for itself, that would communicate with Lumen. A mind in a box, as Lumen puts it and terms it in one of his notes in preparation for creating the Zettelkasten. Though the second thing that Lumen needed is the thing that most people seem to think that is the most important thing and the reason why Lumen created and used the Zettelkasten. 
The interesting thing is that the second thing that I'm about to tell you was the initial reason why Lumen started the anti-net. But as early as 1981, and likely about two years after he started the anti-net, it morphed into something completely different. You see, the thing that Lumen started was his anti-net, his index file, as he called it. And he had no idea of what it would morph into and what it would become. And that is essentially a second memory. You see, Lumen's memory, as he describes it, is poor. He says, quote, I started the index file for the simple reason that I have a poor memory. And notice the key word. The key word is started. Yet the reason he stuck with it was completely different. You see, we know from a 1987 interview that the reason he started his Zettelkasten in the first place was because of that, was because of his poor memory. And he started it in the 50s, right? Like 1952, 1953, around there. Yet as soon as 1981, Lumen heard, or not heard, but learned, I can't think because of my white girl lean, apparently, Lumen... <laughs> learned of the primary benefit of his Zettelkasten, which was the communication partner, the mind, the doppelganger, the essentially the Stewie Griffin of his life that emerged from the anti-net Zettelkasten that he created. So that, my friend, is why Lumen started his anti-net and his Zettelkasten, which was memory for memory, but it morphed into something different. It morphed into a mind. It morphed into a person, which he wrote an entire paper on in that that system that it emerged into became the true defining special value of his anti-net Zettelkasten. And when I say anti-net Zettelkasten, what I mean is an analog, numbered, fixed-ID'd, tree-like structure with an interconnected set of relations and links, right? That's the ANTI, or you can think of it as the analog thinking internet whatever one. But that essentially is why even today, if we, if Lumen were alive, he would not want to abandon and to discard his communication partner, his Stewie Griffin anti-net of his mind. It's because he wouldn't be replacing just the memory 
aspect and the memory advantage of storing information by switching from analog to digital. He would be trying to replace the mind, the thinking tool, the inner ghost, as he called it, that lived within the anti-net. And that, my friend, is something that you will not find anywhere else, taught anywhere else, and created anywhere else, and shown how to do anywhere else, especially within the new school land of digital note-taking, Zettelkasten, which is a bastardized, inbred concoction of what it actually is, was, and always will be. And you will find out in a very clear and concise manner very soon with the release of my book how you can create your own doppelganger, your own mind, your own second mind, your own Stewie Griffin. So stay tuned. Enjoy. Have a great night. And you know what? I'll see you back here tomorrow. Rock and roll, baby. Scott Shepper signing off. Let's see what time it is. 11.27 p.m. Peace. Hey, real quick. This podcast was made possible by my sponsor, which is me. Yes, frickin' me, Sir Scott of Shepherd. You see, I am committed to never shilling some dildo-freaking-hipster-crappy product like all the other podcasters do, all right? So my only ask is that you spend 10 seconds right now, pull to the side of the road, even if you're on the frickin' freeway, and rate and review this podcast. Then share it with a friend. That's my only ask. You see, this will help spread my movement. I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days doing what they love, writing, creating, thinking, and taking notes using analog tools, while also making multiple six figures if they even choose to. And more importantly, I want to help my people build a tribe, a tribe of people that they were meant to serve. And so by rating and reviewing this podcast right now, you will directly help me and many others in achieving this mission. Peace.